As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. The baseball cards. If you know baseball cards, you know Tops is the one and only. It's been the, the kings of baseball cards forever, since I was a little kid at least, and that's forever. What's up, Eric? Not much, man. It's hot out here. How you doing? It's getting warm here. The humidity's going up. I finally had to turn the AC on. I withstand it as long as I can without turning on my old AC because I want it to last a little longer. But it's getting there now. We're getting up, uh, you know, upper 80s with humidity. That's like, okay, time for the AC. But it's going to be that nice. Humidity, man. That humidity, man. That humidity in Atlanta. I don't, I don't like living in it. I love playing in it, but I didn't, I didn't like living in it and going yeah. outside and being sweaty. Well, we've been lucky this year because it has not arrived until now. It's still not real bad, but, it's, but it was great in May, man. We had – most of the time, our weather's more like San Diego in May. It felt like, you know, yeah. 70s and not very humid. Not San Diego, but closer to that than Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been nice. It shouldn't be bad for the Dodgers series. We're going to get rain next week. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, you know, each week we start this thing talking about the Braves and we're kind of, they've been in that, that, spinning your wheels sort of season where you think maybe every time it looks like they might be starting to put together a little run because they haven't had a run yet, you know, where they go no. five, seven games where they go, okay, here you go. You know, they haven't had one of those yet. They haven't had a really long bad one either. I guess that's the good. The only good thing is they haven't had one where they lose seven in a row either. But um, it seems like every time they play a good series, they turn it around and play a terrible one. Or they play a team that you you know you know they have to like we said they needed to win at least three yeah. out of four from the Nationals. It's tough to sweep anybody, but they needed to win three out of four from the Nationals. They won two. They split with the Nationals. They lost the middle two games, which in most years would be okay. But the Nationals are not very good this year, man. And right now, without their pitching, with uh, with you know Strasburg back to being hurt all the time, he got hurt. You know, lasted one or two. Corbin innings. hasn't been good. Corbin hasn't been good. ERA's over five. Strasburg is not Strasburg. So this is the time, you know, where uh, where they need to be feasted upon, and they didn't do that. So 
Uh, they had two good games against them and two pretty bad ones. Yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about them just because I know there's still four months left. And I don't know, you just, you get so used to being patient as a player going through your seasons. If you're, you know, individually, if you're, if your numbers suck in June, you still got time. And as a team, you still got time to get it going. They don't, they don't really scare me. Uh, you know, I'm not feeling like there's any panic, but it's just been one of those years where they just, they just haven't been able to get going and they can't get going. But I mean, I feel like with this team, once they do get going, it's not really going to matter who they play. It sucks to go through some of these spurts and patches where you feel like you could have racked up some easy wins and not capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. But I could also see them getting hot and, and taking teams like the Mets that they're, you know, they're going after and sweeping them, you know, doing things like that. So, I mean, there's not, I'm not worried about them, but it's, you know, it's, it's getting closer and closer to the time where you would be like, shit, maybe this isn't their year, yeah. you know, like maybe they just don't have it, but you just forget there's still four months left. But you could tell it's a little different in the comments from like Snit when he's yeah. talking about the frustration, you know, the it's frustrating it's talking about, it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy getting through this. It's hard, No, but he said he's been through worse as a manager, worse as a third base coach. But at the same time, you could tell they're all frustrated because they they're know frustrated. There's so much, they know there's so much better than this. But you can't keep saying that because you have to do it. But they do. They know, you know, and they know you can't keep saying it, which is why well, they're also frustrated. You know, keep answering the same questions. A game away from the World Series last year. Yeah. The year before you go into playoffs, year before you win the division. Like they, they've set the bar extremely high and never really. I mean, the last three years, it's just been on, on, on. I yeah. mean, the t- like just magical wins, comeback wins. Seems like, you know, when somebody slumped or a portion of the team was struggling in the past, the bullpen would be lights out or the starters would pick them up. They they were really good at picking each yep. other up and kind yep. of covering up their flaws. And it's like this year's it's just felt like it, whatever area has been down has been the area that's cost them, whether it's the pen or the starters yep. or the, the lineup not hitting, like it just hasn't come together. Like it, it seemed to just flow in the past, but I was still not worried about them. I'm, I'm kind of just waiting on it. It seems like, to your point, it seems like that area that's not, they're not hitting on all cylinders, obviously, but it seems like yeah. the area that's not doing well at any given time is it's doing most really important. poorly. Yeah. Really poorly. So it's hard yeah. for the, like the pitching to overcome the offense yeah. when they're scoring one run, you know, when yeah. they get shut out. And it's yeah. hard for the offense, which isn't what it was last year with Freddie not going yet. And, you know, some other guys are going now. They got three or four guys going instead of one, like they did in April most of the month. But the offense isn't scoring enough runs, like six or seven runs, where you can to make up for yeah, yeah most nights. And then the bullpen has made a huge difference because all those games last year, where you could count on the pen holding the game wherever it was, whether they were to run down or run ahead, the bullpen would hold it right there and give the yeah. offense time to pull it out in the eighth, ninth inning. This year, the bullpen's not doing that a lot of days, so. Like and the days they do, it happens to be a day the lineup's off. Yeah. You know, you, you wind up losing by those one or two runs that you keep it within range. Which is it shows up in that uh both of those, both the offense, the lack of uh of late innings offense and the lack in the bullpen, lack of bullpen death show up in that stat, which to me is really troubling, is that uh when games are tied at the end of the seventh inning, they're 0 and eight in those games yeah. this year. The games that they won last year and the year before and the year before. So you yeah. take it, say that, say they're they're six and two or seven and one in those right. games, they're like last place. year. All of a sudden, you're not even having the conversation we're having right now over just you know two innings worth of the game, you know, eight times. 
If they're six and two in those eight games, they're tied for first place right now. That's yeah, correct. and they easily could be, and they would have been last year. Yep. So I mean, they they did a good job of covering up some of their flaws by, you know, good timing. A lot of times, like it's better to just get your ass kicked one day and then win the next day big. Yeah. It's, they're in every game. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it's just the way it's going this year. But th- that's probably the hardest thing as a team is to just keep this positive mindset and, like Snit said, just grind this out and. You know, you need good leadership to get through spurts like this. Yeah, and I think that's where they're missing. I, I'm missing a couple of guys. I'm not uh, not to besmirch the leaders that they have now, but I think they miss a guy like Nick Marcakis in the clubhouse right now. I really do. Um, I, I think, you know, the bullpen definitely misses O'Day, you know, and Melanson, Melanson, but O'Day was the king of that bullpen as far as the guy that kept everything loose. He was the leader, unquestioned leader of the pen. Um. Yeah, Melanson, obviously, yeah, and, and then but and then even a guy like Tyler Flowers, you know, who has been around the team this year, but you can't be a leader when you're a consultant for the team, you know. Yeah, no, that's he not. Was a, you got to be putting a uni on. And he was a leader as a as a as a catcher of the of both uh, the pitchers when he was talk, you know, when he's talked to the pitchers that that day's pitcher, he'd go to the, you know, he he was a a guy that Travis Darno is more of a leader by example, a veteran, a calming presence. But I thought Tyler was really willing to speak up. He was the kind of guy that would speak up and say something. Um, but I, I, Mark Kakis, I think, was really underestimated by a lot of people how much of a, of a presence he was, just a, the ultimate veteran kind of presence in that clubhouse. But, you know, I'm not going to put it all in leadership because that's obviously not no. what it is. They got to perform and just get some guys are just struggling. When they get in the batter's box, they're just struggling. And, you know, and some pitchers are not pitching the way they, they smiley is not the pitcher that the Braves thought they were getting so far. He has not been that. So every, that hurts when he's doing what he's doing and a couple of relievers struggled at times. So, but anyway, um, matchups this weekend, Dodgers, before we get to the kind of performance yesterday, Tucker Davidson had yesterday is what they've, that is why you keep, he keeps giving them hope when a guy yeah. like steps up like he did yesterday, but this weekend, Starting tonight, Friday night. This is a big series for the Braves. They anticipated. They might look one-sided from the outside, people that, uh, you know, looking at the Dodgers, Braves, where they are right now. But I know the Braves have been a, have been in their minds geared up for this thing. So I expect them to come out. The place is going to be packed. There'll be plenty of Dodgers fans there, but there'll still be overwhelming number of Braves fans there. It's not like, you know, the Cubs traveling to Turner Field back in the day when, you know, this is a – people have been uh, eagerly awaiting the – the, the opening of the ballpark to full capacity. So there's a lot of Braves fans at these games, more so than there might be for typical Braves Dodgers, you know, two years ago. Um, Urias, Julio Urias against Ian Anderson tonight. That's a tasty first game matchup. Mm-hmm. Really good one. That's uh, Urias. Is, he's a good pitcher, man. He, he's a good, he's a tough matchup for the Braves. He is. Yeah, he's got, well, because he's got, he could throw his fastball any any part of the plate. You know, I mean, he pitches righties in real well, which is which is important. You know, to try to get the righties in this lineup out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm impressed with him every time I see him pitch. Even being able to come out of the pen in the playoffs and do different stuff that he's done. Um, he's a tough matchup, and I'm I I, I want to see how Ian does seeing the Dodgers after his, his playoff start against him last year, and, and then yeah. getting a couple of good looks at him. But you know, he's been throwing the ball pretty well. It'll be a good game for sure. Urias is coming off his career worst 
performance, by the way. Career, well, career high, seven runs, six earned on 11 hits. So I don't know if that's good or bad. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like guys like yeah. that rarely have back to back bad starts uh, when they're healthy and by all accounts, he's healthy. He's, but even with that start, he's seven and two with a three, six, one. So that means ZRA was in the mid twos probably before that start. I had, I haven't looked it up, but uh, he's got 75 strikeouts this year, you know? Yeah. Ian he's Anderson nasty. has 59 and he's a big strikeout guy, you know, uh, eight and three Dodgers are eight and three in his starts. Yeah. You mentioned Ian, he faced the Dodgers in the game seven of the NLCS and allowed two runs, five hits and three innings in that game. He, he only lasted four innings his last time out against the Mets. So he and Urias are both coming off for them bad starts. So that'll be interesting. Both of them trying coming mm-hmm. off bad starts. And I know they're both going to be, Juiced for this one. Game two Saturday. This is a nice matchup here. Clayton Kershaw against Charlie Morton. Some old balls duking it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kershaw's been better on the road this year than at home. Four and two with a 306 ERA and six starts away from Dodge Stadium. 31 strikeouts, 32 and a third innings on the road. Charlie Braves have won the last three games he started. He's got a 2.50 ERA in that span. I think he's looked a whole lot like the guy they expected to get. You know, we've we've talked about he's only had one bad inning most most of his games this year where he struggled. It was only one bad inning. He had the one game where he had two bad innings, but for the most part, it's been one bad inning. And I thought that last game where he had struggled one inning, then even the next inning where some guys got him, some, there was some traffic, he got out of it unscathed. So his uh, – We've talked about his stuff is is just nasty for a guy his age. He's got he's got better stuff than Kershaw at this point, I would think. Well, yeah, Kershaw. You know, but I'm I'm interested to see how guys that if guys in this era learn how to pitch, mm-hmm. yeah, when they lose their velocity like because Kershaw, Kershaw he's done a great job of like mixing in the cutter and and figuring out how to get outs. Um, once he lost that 95 mile an hour fastball because he's 89, 91 now, yeah, and he. He knows how to he knows how to make things look the same. He knows how to throw his cutter off his fastball and curveball off of that. It's cutter slider. I don't know what he calls it, but nice hard breaking ball. He he's done a really good job as he ages of adjusting. And I, I want to see this generation of pitchers now that yeah. when when they all start throwing instead of ninety nine, yeah, when they all start throwing ninety three, yeah. I mean, I, I'm interested to see which guys fall off a cliff and which guys make that adjustment. But Kershaw's done a great job of that. Yeah, I mean, Kershaw always had that lethal curveball. And some yeah. of these guys today that just throw hard, 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 and hardly ever, you know, throw it, don't throw much off speed. To me, it's going to be a tough adjustment for them because that's going to, they have to change their entire mindset, you know? Yeah. Because they're throwers more so than pitchers. Charlie would yeah. be interesting. I mean, he might have to get to age 42 before he'd be like Kershaw <laughs> now, you know? It's really crazy. He still has the stuff he has. Yeah. Upper 90s. Yeah. Mid upper nineties, smooth and easy. You know, yeah. I mean, he's not like you don't. It doesn't look like he's humping up to get it, it there either. I mean, it, it just doesn't. comes out nice he's and not smooth. Falling it. off the mound, grunting and all that. No, I mean that's 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 what's encouraging to me. That's the same kind of. That's the way I look at Freddie aging. You know, yeah. as a player is, you watch how he moves and the effort he puts into everything. It always looks like about eighty percent, and that's how Charlie looks when he throws. And it's ninety-seven. You know, getting old. That's that's not easy to do. The series finale, another really nice matchup. The series finale on Sunday afternoon, uh, on Sunday night. It's going to be on Sunday night baseball. That is 
Is it Sunday night? Yeah, that's Sunday night, 720 Eastern. Trevor Bauer against Max Freed. Mm. That's a nice one. Trevor is oh. the reigning Cy Young winner. He is six and three with a two two four ERA. 96 strikeouts already this year. We're one third of the way into the season. You know they're cracking down on the substances, right? Did you yes, see that? I did. They could, they could, they said Dr. Balls got pitchers with Dr. Balls could face suspensions. You think that'll you think that'll clean things up in a hurry? I'm interested to see it, you know, because I know that all the all the stats gurus will they'll they'll be able to pump out numbers that show spin rates and all that. And uh-huh. I think it was was I think it was yesterday it came out that the league said they're gonna kind of they're gonna notify everybody ahead of time and start yeah. letting them know like that they're gonna crack down on it. So I'm and interested to see how that affects guys because I mean Bowers the he's the best example. If we, he went out and claimed, you know, I can yeah. add four hundred RPM to my to my fastball and then did it and won a Cy Young. So I'm interested to see if, if, you know, which guy he is without that stuff. Makes you think Joe West knew in advance this was coming out before he confiscated that cap last week. Yeah. And that's, then they made, didn't they make Kimbrell change his cap too? Um, I don't know if they made him change it or yeah, they did actually, but then yeah. he, he still had a good inning. Yeah. I think he just uses like, you know, like you get a lot of pine, like uh not pine tar, but, just if you use rosin, rosin and you're going yeah. to your hat a lot and touching a lot, but Kimbrel's always had just a, a line straight down the middle of his hat and it's not been an issue at all. Um, yeah. I'm, I want to see, you know, you know, I want to see which guys fall off a cliff and which guys stay steady. Yeah. It looked kind of, it looked superficial with, with Kimbrel. It didn't look like it was a lump of substance because I don't think he'd be that blatant about it. If it was, you know, something illegal, because you could see it on TV. You could see it, it yeah. from, from 50 feet away. The ump would, any manager, if they thought it was something illegal, like a lump clump of something, they could have just said, check his hat. Cause it's right there. So that makes yeah. me think it's always been, like you said, just him touching it all the time with stuff on his fingers and not, you know, just, it's just visible more, more than it is a, uh, uh, uh an infraction. But yeah. I mean, so many guys use pine tar too. Yeah. That they weren't, you know, I think that I think that the thing that changed was the understanding of spin, mm-hmm. because it the for me the logic all the time and, and the hitters had it too was they just wanted pitchers to have control so they don't hit guys in the head. Everybody's mm-hmm. throwing a hundred now. We want them to have that control, but once people really started digging in and seeing how much better spin makes your pitches, mm-hmm. that's why they're cracking down on pine tar because I didn't know that when I played. I right. thought it was just like these guys are just using it to get a better grip. If I would have right. known that and gone back and could have seen the jump and spin and you know, actual results and, and data for it. I would have jumped on the pine tar bandwagon and figured it out too. Yeah. For hitters, it's like, yeah, we don't mind. It's gone from, yeah, we don't mind him having a little pine tar because it gives them enough control where they're not going to kill us. It's gone from that to, okay, now they got so much spin, so much pine tar. We can't hit it anymore. You know? We didn't know it was making their pitches better. Yeah. You know, nobody knew that before. They just thought it was okay. They can grip the ball better. Who cares? But when you find out it's making their slider, you know, break another two or three inches and you're swinging and missing. And they're using more of it than ever, you know. Yeah. Coming up with their own concoctions and all that, which we went over. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, this is the obviously there's been such an outcry this year about offense being down that MLB's response. This is their response. They don't want to go the whole season with these numbers being what they are. I mean, there's going to be a lot of records broken if if we continue yeah. at this pace. Yeah, they're doing stuff that hasn't been done since like right. the late 1800s That's, or something. It's not good for MLB to have 20 no hitters in a year. You know, they no. don't want that. No. They want the no hitter to be special, just like anybody else. 
And it's not good for MLB for the batting average, you know, league-wide to be like 220-something. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's the first thing they've thrown out there Yeah, that seems realistic, like moving the mound back, banning the shift, you know, all these other ideas they throw out there. I kind of like, man, that's a huge change for the game. Right. But something as simple as just taking a little spin off the ball and making the pitchers all kind of have a level playing field with that, I, I don't really have a problem with it. And this is not changing the rules. This is just following it's not, the rules. It's following that's, the rules. Yeah. It's just enforcing, it's enforcing a rule that's the rule. Yeah. been there forever. Right. Whereas the others are changing the game itself. So, I mean, everybody knew when, when they were putting Vaseline on the ball, it was obvious the ball was falling, I mean, off the table when it was getting right. home plate and guys were throwing spitballs and yeah. taking that much spin off it. You and know, but Emory boards in their back pocket. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> or nail file, <laughs> yeah. all, all that stuff. You know, I mean, that was they cracked down on that because you could see it immediately because right. it was so nasty. But as far as spin, you know, you're almost you just give the pitcher credit like, oh, he spun the he spun that one well and it broke like it's supposed to. It's not doing anything foreign. It's just it's just enhancing what it would already right. do. Um, but, that, you know, I think it just kind of snuck under the radar and, and, until kind of all the analytics started coming out and everybody's realizing now, like, hey, spin is a huge factor. Mm hmm. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on with Trevor Bauer, he's already given up 13 homers, which is four more than he gave up last year in only three more innings that he's pitched so far. And he was All pitching right. in Cincinnati last year, which is last a year. lot easier place to yeah. hit a homer. Yeah, and he's given up 13 this year, so yeah, one-third of the way into the season. That's a lot of bombs for a guy with a 2-2-4 ERA. Shit. Yeah. He's striking uh, out a lot, though. Freed will be facing the Dodgers. Yeah, he's got – He's got 96 strikeouts, man. Yeah. Freed will be facing the Dodgers uh, for the first time since game six of the NLCS. He gave up three runs in the first standing of that game. But remember how tough he was the rest of the way? He went six and two-thirds, didn't give up another run. Yeah, so, he's a good matchup for him. So, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good series, man. The, 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 the Saturday game is the afternoon game. I think it could be good for the team too to to play somebody that you know knocked them out of the playoffs last year, a, a series that they'll really get up for. You know, it, it could be good for them to have almost a, a playoff type of series just to just to go into and and really see how they get amped up and respond to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the Dodgers were struggling for a while there. That would have been a good time to get them, and they lost like five series in a row. Or we we're all going, how in the world is that even possible? But that changed and. They got back to being. They were in that same boat the Braves were in. They just nipped it in the butt a little earlier. Yeah, just to correct, because I was looking at I was looking at something off the Dodgers site, and they had the times wrong, man. Tonight's a night game, obviously Friday. Saturday is a night game, seven fifteen here, seven fifteen Eastern. Sunday is a day game. It's not a ESPN game, so it's one twenty Sunday afternoon. I don't want to steer anybody wrong there. It was wrong on their site. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to talk about Tucker Davidson, man. Tucker Davidson yesterday. Mm -hmm. Every time, you know, you think you've got the rotation mapped out in your head for the next two or three years or what it could be. Somebody steps forward like Huascari Noah and makes you rethink everything. Go, wait a minute yeah. then. Well, Tucker Davidson's done that. These two starts he's made this year. The first one was good against the Mets. Yesterday's was close to being great. I mean, for a young kid in his third major league start, it was great. He didn't give up a hit till the fifth inning. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I saw the, I saw a video of him throwing hundred miles an hour and some slider shorts or something like that. And, I almost don't get as excited about guys when I see them just doing that. Yeah, I just I don't want to give him credit for being able to pitch uh, until I see it. And I, I kind of expected him just to be another guy coming up and throwing 97 all over the place and, and walking some guys and, and not really pitching. But, I mean, he's throwing that that curveball slider combo he's throwing. Yeah. That's one of my favorite combos to, to throw to hitters because they see spin uh -huh. and then it does something different. You know, I mean, it's almost like – it's almost the way you can change speeds and still throw a breaking ball. That's that's what Kershaw does, and that's what that's what's kept his career going for as long as it has. And it reminds me a lot of Freed, how Freed can throw two different breaking balls. Um, but he really pitches. You know, he's he's not up there just humping up. I was yeah. really impressed with him yesterday. His pitchability. Yeah, they had him work on the slaughter beginning last spring. They, yeah. they thought, you know. He had a he, his fastball was more mid upper nineties, but he was a two pitch guy mainly. It's hard and to do that him, as a starter. They had him work on that slider, and I guess during during the shutdown, during the pandemic shutdown, he really turned that into a good pitch for him. So he's another one of those guys that used that time wisely. Yeah, that he wouldn't have been able to do if it had been during a minor league season, probably. You know, when he's going out trying to win games and and impress. So there are isolated guys here and there where the pandemic actually did them favors. You know. We, you know, we talked about Michael Harris, yep. you know, how he used that time to work out with Marquise Grissom and get an invitation to the Braves summer camp when they, when they are to, uh, to the alternate site and where he did much better there or, or benefited more, much more from being at the alt site than he would have from being in low A. Yeah. This is another guy that used that time wisely and honed that changeup when, or honed that slider. And when he came back, kept working on it during the, uh, at the alternate site, and now it's a pitch, man. It's a legit good pitch. I mean, no, it's plus, good. So now he's throwing 92, 94. He's not up there humping, like you said. He looked uh, – he, he walked five guys, but I didn't really think any that it was a real problem. He wasn't leading off the inning, walking a guy. He wasn't – I mean, they were – it was like he was – it's more like Tom Glavin walks, if you will. <laughs> you know. Well, you, you know what I was thinking about that, though, with all the strikeouts now? Walks don't bother me as much. Yeah. When when guys were putting the ball in play and you do a leadoff walk and they get him over and then hit a bloop single or something like right, that. Right. But you got a really good shot of getting a strikeout at some point every inning. Good point. And yep. so, you know, walks, they should bother you, but they don't piss me off like they used to when guys were putting the ball in play. With all the strikeouts you get now, a walk's just one base. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hate saying that out loud as a pitcher, but 
I was watching it and I was thinking same thing you were like those walks really didn't hurt him too bad even with five you know you can kind of get away with it in today's game more than you ever could in the past and another another huge plus for him yesterday and about him in general is the pace that he works at he the infielders, it in there. <laughs> the, the, the defense loves it he's up there yeah. working man and the game's so fast and the other guy was too so it was a really quick game made you long for those days when you'd have those two and a half hour games because it's just so much more enjoyable to watch a baseball game when both pitchers are working instead of getting up there and making every between every pitch of production you know yeah looking over throwing four times to first base shaking off the catcher three times you know and just generally working slow as hell it's dreadful to watch those games yeah this guy was getting the ball, stepping up, boom. Getting the ball, stepping up, boom, like a lot of the veterans do. You know, the older guys used to. Hitters so, hate that, too. Yeah. Hitter, hitters want to get comfortable. They want time to collect their thoughts. And then when you're on the mound already ready to throw, yeah. it's like, you know, they, they feel they feel rushed. And you want them to feel that. A lot of times they try to disrupt it and stop and yeah. call time out just because well, they're like, no, no, we don't want this guy to get in a rhythm. Yeah. They do that usually, you know, once the guy's rolling by third or fourth inning, you'll see the hitters kind of adjust and start stepping off on them. But even then it's a win because they're having to mess they're 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 getting desperate so it's a good sign for you so he's up there you know and it and it also gives off this air of this is a guy up there with confidence he's not a mm-hmm. young kid up there in a panic you know he's game oh, let's go he came into that he's a former 19th round pick texan he's from amarillo former 19th round pick he had pitched just seven to two-thirds innings in the majors before yesterday you would have never known that the way he pitched two starts one of them was terrible last year against the red sox in september and then, like I said, the one earlier this year was good against the Mets. Really efficient in that one. And then yesterday came out. And even though he had five balls, he was still pretty efficient. I mean, he's under 90 yeah. pitches for five and third innings, five and two-thirds innings. Um, it's too bad he couldn't have got that last out and got the win. But as it turned out, bringing in Tomlin for that matchup was smart. Tomlin got the yeah. out, boom, got out of the inning. Um, but he let him go, you know, he's third time through the order on this guy. So it was uh, it was really – it was really – encouraging for Tucker Davidson. I mean, he's earned, obviously you put him right there with Bryce Wilson, as far as who they can turn to when they need another guy. To, a lot of us, a lot of people expected Bryce to be the guy because he was on, you know, they've been following the thing where they bring the guy up who's on schedule at AAA to start that game. So we had naturally looked at, okay, who's on schedule to start Thursday. So it'll be Bryce Wilson. Cause they didn't announce it until Wednesday night, but what we weren't keeping in mind, what we weren't thinking about was the Braves had already, I found out yesterday, the Braves had already decided before this series that Tucker was going to get the spot start because they wanted to give, they wanted to push it back where he even would face the Dodgers. So they wanted to put a, you know, give the guys an extra day of rest and plug in another guy. Uh, well, they had already decided on Tucker and he was going to start Monday, but then they had that rain out Friday in New York. So that pushed it back to Tuesday. Then they had the rain out Sunday in New York. So that pushed it back and they wanted Ian. So at that point they said, Ian, let's just move Ian to, uh, instead of Thursday, let's have him start Friday. So that's how it ended anyway. He, so he went from starting, was going to start Monday to starting Thursday. And it obviously didn't affect him at all, having the extra rest and all that. So I was wondering how much that affected the team, you know, having uh, rain yeah. out, rain out, days off. That's another thing that, you know, you you don't want to make excuses, but that messes you up as a team, especially oh, yeah. when you feel like you're starting to get going and then you have three days off and five days or whatever it was. That I was four days and seven. They only played three games. That's seven days. that's hard to do. Two off days, two rain outs. I know. And they did feel like they were starting to, to, to do – they were starting to kind of hit uh, on all cylinders there for a while, it looked like. 
Um, it reminded me of not to the extreme so far, obviously, but I know where New you're York, <laughs> New York, when the hurricane was coming through in North Carolina and New York thought it was going to get hit and it did get flooding, but they shut everything down in New York. They shut we the flew out. down. You guys got out just before they shut down the airport. We were on our way to the field and everybody got a text, turn around, yeah. pack your bags. We're getting out of town before this hits and three days off and all downhill from there. And yeah, and then you guys had your September swoon, never recovered, and you were like, it was colossal. It was an epic fold. They yeah. were never the same after that. The Braves were never the same after that. I, I got out on literally the next to last flight before they shut down LaGuardia, or I would have been there another like five days. Jeez. <laughs> Bowman went out that morning because I didn't think he was going to get out. He went out there, took a cab out just before Uber took a cab out and he called me and he said, I would try it. I just got on and there's, there's a couple more flights. And I was like, I'm going to go, do I, do I make the run for it? I'm like, Oh, I checked out of a hotel, got the cab. We were like, there's hardly anybody on the roads too. We got to LaGuardia. It was like next. Oh, you got there flight. quick. I was going to say, cause you could, that's a big risky yep. move. Cause you could yep. get stuck in traffic for two there and a half hours and miss your flight. <laughs> there wasn't much traffic at all. Manhattan had already shut down. So you wasn't mm. your typical 30 minutes to get out of the borough, you know? Yeah. Get, to get out into the tunnel. So, but anyway, um, that's what, you know, last week was starting to get that feel for me. You know, when you had the rain outs, you had the off days, and then you had the Ozuna thing over, you know, on top of everything Saturday yeah. night, the one game they played against the Mets that happened during the game uh, or that news broke during the game. So there's no excuses. Everything counts, no. you know, no. but that I just thought about that. Like that's, that's kind of a hard thing to do in the middle of the season. Yeah. Hey, before we move on from uh, from that Dodgers matchup, I wanted to mention: Have you have you noticed what uh, Pujols has done since he went over there? Yeah, he's not on fire or anything, but he has had some homers. <laughs> yeah, he hit one ninety eight with five homers, twelve RBIs, and a six twenty two OPS in twenty four games, ninety two plate appearances for the Angels. Okay, Angels are still paying almost every dollar of his thing. I'll put the minimum salary they're paying him whatever thirty million five hundred grand. Yeah, all but yeah. five hundred grand. The Angels are still paying him. He's with the Dodgers. He's hit 225 with three homers, 10 RBIs in 13 games, 779 OPS and 43 plate appearances. I mean, that's like as well as some some of the Braves are hitting. You know, <laughs> those are like three homers, 10 RBIs in 13 games. They'll take that. I don't know if they can keep it up, but that's probably nice woke guy. him up a bit though, getting DFA'd. I'm you know, sure with his did. status, he's got it pride, did. man. Yeah, he's got pride. That'll that'll wake you up. Guess who, by the way, led the majors in OPS in May? I'll give you three guesses, and I know you're not going to get it. Led the o- the majors in OPS in May. Or in, uh, yeah, in May. Not Tatis? Nope, that's one guess. It's close. Same team? Nope. Damn, I don't know. Just tell me. Yeah, because you take 10 guesses, you're not going to get this. Max Muncy. Mm, I mean, I, that's a he's been raking. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed him, though. I wouldn't have. Exactly. You would have guessed other Dodgers or something. But uh, Max Muncy, the Dodgers' first baseman, hit 330 with 10 homers, a 440 OBP, and a majors, majors leading 1155 OPS in 26 games in May. 330, a- 440 OBP. He's a perfect example for me of when we talk about a guy that needs to play every day. Yeah. He, I was in Oakland with him. I thought he sucked. <laughs> yeah. Like, this dude just going up and down between AAA and the big yeah. leagues, and he'd get a few at-bats. And 
whatever he figured out when he went to LA and and they've been plugging him in and finding, you know, they do, they just found a way to get him in the lineup, second base, first base, throw him in the outfield or something yeah. here and there. Yeah. He can play but a few get, positions, but getting him in the lineup every day now, I mean, he's turned into a star. Second in MLB in OPS in May. You'd never choose. You'd never pick this one either. Although, you know, he's raking. You'd never pick him though. Nick Castellanos of the Reds. Damn. Hit, I, I would hit, think Riley would be up there too. He hit Cassianos hit 409, nine doubles, five homers, 24 games, 1143 OPS. Hmm. You mentioned the Braves OPS leader in May, who I thought had a chance to be player of the month for a while. Well, he ain't gonna finish top three with the guys, some of the months that guys had, but he had a hell of a month. Austin Riley, he hit 311, seven best month of his career. Uh, when he came up that that May, when he's player the rookie of the month, that was only for two weeks, remember? Yeah. And then he went. Then he kept raking for the first week of June, but then he fell off. So this is his best month of his career, easily. He uh, for the month of May, he hit three eleven, seven homers, fifteen ribbies, three ninety four OBP, really impressive. Six eleven slugging, one thousand five OPS in twenty five May games, seventh best OPS in the majors for the month. Yeah, well, I, I feel. Month. After I watched that video of him on MLB Network, yeah, I feel like he's going to keep yeah. a lot of this up. Got you know, maybe, what he's doing, maybe, maybe not as hot as he's been, but the depth he went into with his swing and his adjustments, yep. and and what what you know, if he fouled it back, what it was telling him, if he turned it over, what it was telling him, he had an, a key and an adjustment for every result he was getting. Yeah, um, and and understanding, you know, he was saying he said something I really liked about. He knows he's going to stride anyway, so he tries not to stride at all. And yeah. you have to do that as a player. You have to make yeah. these extreme adjustments, you know, knowing yourself. Because he knows he's going to stride. He, he yeah. knows he's going to stride, so he tries not to stride at all. So his stride's not too big when so he, he does stride. Yeah. But that's like the mental game of almost tricking yourself into doing yeah. things right. That it's it's pretty advanced. Even I know he's been in the league for a little while, but when I when I hear guys talk about stuff like that, those adjustments and, and yeah. the thought process it takes to get themselves to function right. And that he has all that on tap. Yeah, I watch him hit now, and I have a different appreciation for it. He's not just a dude up there hacking. As the veterans say, like Chipper, he's got an idea. He has an idea. Yeah, he does. That yeah. was I was impressed with his whole interview. Um, there's quite a drop between uh, first and second for the Braves and OPS for the month, and the guy who's second did it all basically in the last couple of weeks of the month because Dansby Swanson. Oh, Dansby was not doing much at all before he turned a corner. I mean, flipped the switch two weeks ago. The proverbial switch was flipped, and this guy looks good right now. He uh, he finished the month with an 876 OPS in 25 games, hit 296 homers, 14 RBIs, and most of those homers have come here at the end. He just homered in back-to-back games this weekend, and he could have had uh, – or, or this week, and he could have had three homers in that but Schwarber went and caught one at the top of the wall. That would have been three homers in two days for Dansby. He's looking good. He's hitting it up, going gap to gap and hitting it up the middle. That was the most nonchalant robbery I've ever seen. I, I know. I know. It wasn't going out, but it was going to hit the yellow. Yeah, he just acted like that's what he does every day. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. You're Kyle Schwarber. Don't act like you can just. <laughs> that might be the new pimp job in the future is actually acting like you've done it before with how far <laughs> guys are taking it. <laughs> Bring it in. Just jog in after that. Yeah, then people are like mad at you for acting like you've done it all the time. <laughs> they want you to celebrate. 
Um, but yeah, quite a drop for the Braves in OPS for the month, which I, I think says something about the lurching nature of their offense. Acuna, by the way, he hit 224 with an 842 OPS in May, which tells you how great his April was because he's still OPS and like right at a thousand or just below. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and when he hits it, he does damage. You know, he's not right. hitting wall. Like what the stuff he does when he does it is it's always impressive. The funny thing is that RBIs and the home runs are like identical for the two months. Is that scorching yeah. April and it's May? He still had eight homers and 15 RBIs in in a in an over in an otherwise kind of eh, May for him. He only yeah. had 224 with an 842, but he's got OPS, but he's got eight homers, 15 ribbies. Big difference for him. 27 strikeouts with 10 walks and a 313 on base percentage in May. Compare that with April when he had 15 walks and 14 strikeouts, 443 OBP in April. So that's night and day, the the OBP, the strikeout to walk ratio. April, he was the player of the month in the NL at 341, had an 1148 OPS, eight homers the same. Um, But the white strikeouts to white walks ratio was radically different well they're going to test him you know they're Mm -hmm. there's not really a lot of places to go against him so they're going to try to expand the zone and see if he wants to take those walks or not i think it's all you know his numbers are going to be a big factor for him it's just whether he's willing to take the walks or not because not a lot of people are i felt like either the pitches he was taking in april yeah he was taking balls a you know an half an inch off the plate consistently you know i mean that's everybody's going to pitch him extremely careful so it's 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 testing to your patience as a hitter to keep waiting for something to hit. You want to do damage and not getting it. And you've you've pointed out pitchers have taken note that he hates to be pitched inside mm-hmm. because every time he is, he kind of glares, he kind of turns, and all that. You know, because he's yeah. frustrated, but he shows how he how much he hates it. So they know it gets him off his game. Dude does that, man. You're going right back in there. And they did it this weekend. Yeah, and he responded. He reacted, or this week, he reacted the same way on a couple of those pitches. You know where he kind of reels, he turns around, he kind of looks at the pitcher. Glares out at the pitcher, steps out. I mean, it. that's really kind of a tell that you, you're not happy with this. And mm-hmm. it's not like your opponent's going to react to that like, shit, like, I didn't oh, want to piss him off. Yeah, I didn't want to piss him off. Let me go back down in a way where he likes it. You know, it's If he tones that down, I think it'll help him. But either way, everybody knows that's the only place to really – That's that that's going to be the game plan against him for probably the rest of his career. Tell me, tell me, would that be different as a pitcher? Would it be different? And I don't know if a veteran would have reacted this way, but if you threw inside to a guy like Trevor Jones, for instance, if you threw a guy inside to a guy like that and he turned and glared at you, or Josh Donaldson did it a couple of times, is do you react differently than you do when a kid like Acuna, as much as you know, is terrific talent? Yeah. When it, do you react different when a veteran does it? Do you kind of than you would have? No. Been, the you, the thing that gets me is if. If it's inside and they just act like, right, you know, uh, like they saw it the whole way, right, and they tell you they're reading it well, and, they, and they, just kinda, they just get in the box, they just spit on it and act like this dude sucks. That for me is like, shit, that didn't have any effect, right, right. But when the dude's storming around, you think, right, all right, that you're it in just gives you confidence, like, all right, maybe outside is open more, yeah. So then, so then you're more confident when you go back out there. When you throw a fastball into somebody like Chipper and he just, you know, maybe it misses him by a couple inches and he just kind of turns away from it like right. it was nothing. Like this dude throws slop. When yeah. you send that message to the pitcher, that that's a lot more effective to me. 
Because yeah. now I'm like, shit, that didn't even have an effect. He saw that the whole way. It didn't even make him uncomfortable. So, yeah. you know, when Acuna reacts the way he does, you're thinking, all right, now he's pissed. Now he might get big. You're helping now, the pitcher. Now if I go back in there, it'll piss him off more. So just just the mentality as a pitcher, mm-hmm. when you see a guy react like that, you know it had an effect. Like He, he, he tips his hand a little bit. And, and, and I can think of several veteran sluggers who, even if you hit them, don't even look yep. at the pitcher. And they know, yep. and you know it's hurt. They'll get hit in the forearm yep. or whatever, and they get to first base and just grip the teeth and bear it, and they don't say a word. And you can tell them, like, tell the first base coach, that shit hurt, man. Yeah. But That's those the are the guys. For me. Yeah. That's the move. Yeah. To me, that would be more effective, too. You're like, yeah. whatever, dude. You when you see it get him off his game plan, even if it doesn't, you know, even if he's going to dive back out right. there the next pitch you still have more confidence like, oh, he didn't like that. You know, it gives you something to think about and play off of versus, man, he saw that the whole way and thought it was slop and it didn't even affect him. (laughs) I got nothing. He's not even worried about me hitting him. Yeah, he's not (laughs) even afraid of me. Yeah, I'm trash. (laughs) Cam, you got some ass to sell, man? Cam, are you there? You fell asleep on the board? Well, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, we don't have any advertising anymore? I mean, we have a couple ads, but I'd rather just keep going. Unless Great. we need to get some coffee. No, no, I don't need to get any coffee. Yeah, let's just keep rolling. Do we have any uh, silver spoon, or I mean magic spoon cereal to sell? <laughs> or I would, yeah. or just every sorry. time. It's either or rather silver. to send me, to ship to me, I should say. Oh, we, 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 I do need to follow up on that because I know how yeah, much you, you love the, the peanut butter cup one. I think solid. Do we want to, in this pod, get to the intros at all? Yes, yes, yes. We want that. We want the. We want our loyal listeners to hear the options that we're going to get to replace Cam's god awful introduction that we've used now for what two years, two and a half. Do your years? version, Dave. How long have we done this thing? Two years. This podcast. A couple of years. Yeah, I think it's about two years. We've done this podcast for two years, and we have subjected our listeners to that ridiculous introduction, which was so bad that I didn't want to say anything because I thought somebody might be doing the voiceover from from headquarters, from the athletics offices. <laughs> so I didn't want to complain about it, you know. But when I found out it was Cam, I should have known because I know Cam's voice, but I, but he took it like exaggerated it for this thing. So I, I should have known that. It's the that, audio but, effect on the voice. No, it's I you trying to sound different. like it sounds Mr. like a strip club announcer. Exactly. Trying to sound like Mr. Professional voiceover guy, you know. It's Maybe just that's ridiculous. the energy that we kind of want. Maybe to, you know, no, we don't, no, don't want that. So. We don't, there's no, nothing so. about your introduction that we want connected <laughs> with this show going forward. I want everyone to know that we never had a choice and that you're, <laughs> you're making over. a choice now, two years later, though. That's I, well, I would have said something a lot earlier if I didn't think somebody from the athletic did it, or rather, somebody other than you, because it's terrible. The way the thing went was, and you guys have heard it. I know it makes you, it's like screeching, like fingernails on a chalkboard for everybody, I'm sure. But he goes, 755 <laughs> is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. I'm like, Click Jesus, X. what is that? A bad movie? God, we're, close. Were you close like drunk app. when you did that one night? Did you tell your wife, oh, let's see how, let's do one of these. 
755 is real. Yeah, you guys make me drink sometimes. So With it would David O'Brien, Eric <laughs> Flair. <laughs> My God, the guys that the band, like Jason Isbell, tell me we could use his song. And he took it away, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. He, when he heard <laughs> that introduction, like, play that shit to my music. And my boys Take from my Algiers, music. my boys from Algiers, they probably have sold fewer albums because of your goddamn introduction, man. I feel terrible because Underside <laughs> of Power is a fantastic song. I can't believe I mutilated it to that extreme. Yeah, you did. You did. Everything well, good about that. Everything good about that song. On all this shit and yeah. lambasting me, I appreciate it. But I have. If we want to do these now, I have them teed up. All right, let's hear well, it. Well, the second option that you had, the psychedelic thing, I just think you must have done some drugs and tried that one because that one's I think he did that just bad. to mess with you. He was yeah, just messing was with bad. you on that one. Seven, five, still five, 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 five. Well, it's still better. You, you do it well. Your imitation's great. I have it queued up here for those who have not listened to it. So All right. I'm going to play it, and then we're going to go through the other three I have as well. And, you know, Eric kind of gave it away. Some of these are a bit more fun just to kind of poke at you for telling me how shitty I am and how awful the intro was. <laughs> now, so, just well, don't give up your day job to become a voiceover guy. That's all I'm, that's all I'm that saying. That is not in the cards. But here, here are the four that we have, and then uh, we'll decide from these. All right, here we go. 755 is real 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 that's yeah, better than okay. So lesser of two evils. That's all it that's took to beat the first one. Only because the first one can't possibly be worse. That's why it's better. But that's like oh, that's so abrasive. If that that's if somebody listens to that in the morning or like in their office, they're going to have people running over to their cubicle. What the hell's that? No, you can't play that. No, that's not good, dude. Well, right. you'll love this one then. Okay, right. here we go. Seven fifty five five is real with D.O.B. <laughs> goddamn chalkboard, man. And he's out in uh, Washington State. Eric O'Flaherty on the athletic. Oh my god! I actually kind of like that one. <laughs> oh, oh my! Why you're still recovering? Let me jump to the next one. Seven fifty-five is real, or is it? <gasps> Just kidding! It is with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty on the Athletic, or is it? No, no. Yeah, I got nothing for that one. That was experimental. All right. yeah. That was a waste of time. <laughs> and, and here's the last one. 755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty on The Athletic. <laughs> you thought this was going to be an intro without any EDM or any crazy stuff. Let's hit it. <laughs> my response is the very end there. That's my response. Just silence or explosions? No, or explosion, blow it explosion, up. Blow your head up? Okay. If those are the options, then I'm going to make sure that you get fired. Okay, so <laughs> why, why don't we compromise and just do the, the first half of that last one, which is Welcome to yeah. 755 is Real with David O'Brien and Erica Flaherty on The Athletic. 
There you go. Not that hard. Right. You can try to put a little bit of personality into it. Eh, you know, you well, don't have to read it like you a, guys you know. kind of suck the life out of me with this. So. <laughs> you got you got anybody else that could try? <laughs> I have asked so many people, and I told them just how high the bars set because of all the shit I was getting, and they're like, "Nah, we're not." No, the bar's not subject, set that high. Subject it's ourselves just that to you that. You set the bar so, so low. low. All right. I mean, Appreciate we'll do it ourselves. We can do it ourselves. Eric, let's just do one. It'll take us 13. It'll take us 30 seconds to do one better than Cam did. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll make our own. Here we yeah, go. We'll make our own. Welcome to 755. Or No, because that's what I say <laughs> at the start. So we just need to we just need a thing. Here we go. Ready? This is going to be the new introduction to the show. To the show. Or if it's better than Cam with, did. With psychedelic music? Is no. That, no, oh, I want to. Okay. No, the Jason Isbell and Algiers. We'll do, we, you could do alternate between I the two. I kind of like the EDM, but okay. Algiers is a great intro for this one, and, and you use uh, Other Side of Power is a fantastic song. Yes, right, and you use Jason for the uh, bumper music, as they call yep. it. Whatever. Um, Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and former Braves reliever Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Done. All right, cool. we'll put that in, and uh, we'll see what the listeners say. It's better than yours. Uh, it's you not know great, what? I, but it's better than yours. I, I don't know. Say. I I think this was kind of the selling point. Eric O'Flaherty. <laughs> I think they may like that one best. I think <laughs> <laughs> the one the one he tried I, was actually pretty funny. Did I, you I, did you hear the the soundbite I used after your name? Yes. Yes. Nails on the chalkboard. <laughs> Goddamn chalkboard. <laughs> Do that one again. <laughs> D-O-B Fingernails on a goddamn chalkboard, man hey. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that <laughs> No, people will be offended by Constant use of GD That's Yeah, not, don't yes they will Alright, All right. let's get back to the show And finish it up here oh, this is a distraction. God. Uh, Thanks, and, and we can do another one We could, I'll do another one with Eric later If, if you really are uh, I'll, No, I'll pull the one you used <sighs> Dude, it's I can't believe you're so bad at this that you can't do a better one than that. <sighs> that I did it better in one it's... try. And I know you spent hours doing yours. <laughs> you you sound I like literally my parents. Spent 30, I literally spent 30 seconds. I literally how much time spent less than 30 seconds. 30 seconds doing it. Less Honestly, how much time went into that, Cam? <sighs> Tell us. Two years. I don't was, know. No, how much probably, time probably, went into probably, it? It probably took me the two years to get it right. I, I, I've been slowly putting in new voiceovers every single recording, and you guys just haven't caught on. Well, we, yeah, I haven't. But how long did it take you to do the initial one, the one that was so bad? I don't know. It took, it's been two years. It took no, you he doesn't like want to say. Hours? It was 45 takes. It took you three days, didn't it? I think 45 takes is a little generous. I'd go the over. <laughs> And that's what that's what came out. That Me was the final facetious. product. Cam, did your girlfriend ever listen to that and just go, "That's really bad, Cam. You can do better." It it's funny you think that she listens to my work because if oh. you think that was bad, imagine yeah. living with me though and hearing me all the time. Oh, that's true. Do you talk like this all the time? Like you like, can I get some cheese? Or do you just say like, can you want to get I get some cheese? Can yeah. I get? Do you do you talk like that all the time, or is it like I'm not talking casual... like that right now? Honey, bit. you need to go to the store get some beer <laughs> before I do the show. <laughs> so not only have I been portrayed 
as a shitty producer. Well, not even portrayed. Everyone knew I was a shitty producer, but a shitty right, voiceover. Just takes you seven hours but now to an alcoholic too. <laughs> Getting beer at six a.m. before the just, show. I'm just just, to, you have just some to prove issues. how bad you are at this. I'm going to knock out one more that's better than yours, and I'll do it. You just like seconds. hearing yourself talk, but okay. No, but I want if you are going to use mine, I want it to be a little better. Before we get back to the show, I'm not good at this either at doing these things, but I'm better than you at it. Um, well, that's a granted. That's a given. Eric, Everyone's you want to jump in? Do you want to do this with me? Or do you I'm ready? good. All right. Eric's not my ready forte. to the book out. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Be quiet. 755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'll, put it, I'll I don't, put it in. I don't know why I say it's on the air like we're on the radio. Yeah, we're not. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, take number two, David. Uh, starting to add up. It's getting up there. <laughs> that's two that's better just, than all uh, the ones you tried. Just saying. I mean, it wasn't a one take wonder. So, guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is me mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get back to the show. We've lost like all our drop-off. It's going to be yeah. like precipitous on that. Um, we got a couple more things to wrap up here. They already left. <laughs> um, we were talking about Braves in the month of May and I know you said you're not. Uh, oh, look, I, you know, actually, let's look at a couple of uh, let's look at a couple of the Dodgers. We're talking about Muncie coming in with ten homers in May. You know, for the for the year, this dude is he's leading the uh, Dodgers in OPS for the year now. This guy's hitting Muncie two sixty eight, but he got a four twenty eight OBP. He's got a nine sixty four OPS, which is what a hundred almost 140 points higher than bets. I know everybody's down on Freddie and worried about the year he's having is a contract hanging over him, but Mookie Betts isn't isn't having a much better year with the, with the Dodgers. He's hitting 264, five homers, 20 ribbies and an 828 OPS. So, I mean, Freddie's got to beat with the homers and RBIs. That's for sure. Yeah. Check back in September. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it. Mookie's got 32 strikeouts, 28 walks. So he's got a solid 378 OBP. So he and Freddie are having kind of similar seasons. I mean, the two, the one, two guys in a MVP last year. So, 
You know, the other thing about it, too, is even if Freddie finished this year hitting 255 or 260 and got hot in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. People it's all forget erased. It. Yeah. You know, I mean, you even, you know, free agent status, all that stuff. You go big in the playoffs or even finish the year strong. He could do this until right. August and then get hot in August. And it's too late to salvage the back of the baseball card, but hit like himself. And yep. your stock's right back up. Yep, I agree. I agree. He could turn it around. It's only two months. I mean, he could he could go another month slow and then have a great second half and it, and and then get and get the stuff back pretty close to his normal. You even know, a good like, second half, not even great. You know, just yeah. look like himself again. Good for him. Yeah. And it's like, I oh, just he had a rough first half. You know, it's easy to dismiss that stuff once once you get back to normal. Freddie in May, for those curious, he hit two thirty three. With a 355 OBP and a 788 OPS, he had five homers, 11 RBIs, uh, 22 strikeouts, and 16 walks. I was talking to Seitzer the other day about Freddie, and he said he, the, some things he was getting out of that, unlike Freddie, he was starting to chase some balls that he never does before. He usually spits on those on those balls inside, on those pitches inside, yep. and he hunts that fastball in the outer half and rakes, kills it. He said he was starting to get away from that, and, and and you know you could tell maybe he's getting frustrated, and and, and people were getting him on inside. Uh, he was he was he was chasing a little bit more and swinging at some of those inside pitches that he can't do much with, and getting ahead of him, you know, getting ahead in the count, and you see him missing some stuff away too that he doesn't miss as a result. He's just a little bit out of sorts for Freddie. Well, that's that's kind of what happens too when you see those numbers up on the scoreboard when you walk up. You know what you, you know you got a hole to climb out of. It's Mm-hmm. it's just, it's really tempting as a player to try to do it all in one day. You know, it's, it's hard to sit here and say, well, if I have three, two okay months, you know, I'll be back in where I'm supposed to be or try to get 12 hits in the next three days, you know, yeah. and then you start chasing and pressing and, and that's a trap a lot of guys fall into, but I mean, he's had some games where he's hit, they've put it up there. He's hit every ball hundred miles an hour and been over four. Yeah. You know, he's, he's had some bad luck too. Yeah. Hey, we were talking about uh, the bad luck in the first, especially in the first month. He was like the unluckiest hitter in the majors or close to it with a hard yeah. hit rate and, and um, expected batting average, Woba, all that stuff. He was uh, expected Woba. He was, he was, I mean, statistically, you can look at some numbers that point to and go, he's like as unlucky as anybody in the majors. That's, that's fallen off a little bit lately, but he's still hitting. Like the other day he had, Three outs, three hard hit outs that were like 105 miles an hour or higher, that were outs. I mean, Which that's those crazy. are those are easier to swallow when you're not in a free agent year. Yes, you know that that was kind of like that 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 pressure I was talking about. If you got four years left on your contract and you're hitting 220 in in mid May, you know it's it's a lot easier to say, well, I'll get it going. But mm-hmm. when you're going into a free agency, you know you got to look at it like if I continue to do this for the rest of the season, it could cost me 50 million. 100 million it could it could keep me from coming back yeah. to this team i could be you know it, it, there might be a team that i want to play for that's not looking for me you know and it, it, players hate to admit that they think about those things but you can't help it yeah and especially he's at kind of that this is kind of the worst age to be at yep. in the game yeah. right now for him yep. to be in a situation where he's at where he said yep. he wants to stay here spend his whole, and he's in his head i'm sure he's always thought i'm gonna spend my whole career here i think it'll only be yeah. a chipper if i want to be here they're going to want to keep me so, and he's probably looking around baseball and seeing, well, what happens to free agents when they hit the market at age 31? And especially if they're coming off their worst I, year. Not good. All of a sudden you're like, everything's changed in his head from what he probably went into and was thinking in the off season. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just a different mindset that, that you know, guys aren't 50 used to. Million, you know? That's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, it, it could really cost, I don't know. I mean, you look at it, the dude's already made a hundred something. He's good. You know, what do you need more for? Yeah. But, but still, you know, mean, it's, yeah. This is last contract, probably. Yeah. Unless he goes somewhere on a one year deal and then, you know, hit yeah. to hit free agency again. Yeah. But, but even Josh Donaldson, you know, if, if Josh Donaldson didn't have that down year when he had it, if he'd mm-hmm. stayed hot, I mean, he would have got five or six years. He wound up having a great year with the Braves and taking three. Yeah. After, you know, I mean, that's that's just the difference it makes when you start getting a little older. Teams are really wary of of that aging player. Hey, so here's something: if you want, if you're a Braves fan and you want to feel good about something about where the team's at right now, I got a stat for you: the last 15 days, the last 15 days in the National League. The Braves have four of the top 15 OPSs in the National League. They got four got four of the 15 guys that have OPSed over a thousand for the last 15 days. That's pretty impressive, man. That's a lot of guys going at once, so to speak. Yeah. Which <laughs> kind of what you've grown to expect, but it hasn't it hasn't been there most of the year. Right. So I mean, that's some that's the best stretch they've had as far as having multiple guys going. But yet you, you talked about Albies. Albie's in the last 15 days, he's had 10 no, games. He's, he's had 10 games. He's hit 385 with 10 extra base hits or eight extra base hits. I'm sorry. 14 ribbies in 10 games, three homers, 1224 OPS. That's second in, in mm-hmm. the National League behind Tatis. Tatis 1365. So Albie's is second, 385, 1224 OPS. Then you got Austin Riley. He's seventh in the National League in the last two weeks in OPS. 11-23, he's at 316 in that stretch. Five homers, 13 RBIs in 10 games, right? So the Braves have the fewest games of any of these guys, these leaders in that. that cause there's a, so for them to have four and also to do it with all those off days, like you talked about in the rainouts, that makes it even more impressive. And then they've got Acuna is ninth National League in the last 15 days. He's at 325 with a 1,079 OPS. Four homers, 10 RBIs in 10 games. 13 runs scored, by the way. And how many stolen bases? Three stolen bases. He started running again. He yeah. started running again. It's not too late for him to get back on that, you know, threatened 40. Remember that year, a couple of years ago, where he, got, where he came out of the All-Star break and had like he had like seven or eight steals in the first couple of weeks out of the break, and then, he, then he's got the, the hamstring problems. That was the year he flirted with 40-40. I mean, he was on an incredible pace coming out of the All-Star break. Stolen bases. Um, so you had Acuna ninth, and then 15th is Dansby Swanson. He's hit 308 with 1,009 OPS in that stretch, four homers, nine RBIs in 10 games, um, and a 692 slugging. So, I mean, that's half their lineup right now going at once, you know, the last two weeks. So if you get some good pitching like you had yesterday, you got a chance to get on a little roll if you can keep that going and you get. Yeah. And Shane Green should come off the as soon as tonight. They could activate him if not today, then tomorrow. I would think he made his appearance the other day, and it sounded like they're close to activating him. And that wouldn't surprise me if they do that today. Well, getting him back is going to be big too, because if if he's pitching like he has in the past, that can slot another guy into that mm-hmm. keep it close role. Mm-hmm. That's over. You want a guy over qualified pitching when you're down two runs. You know, yeah. keeping you in the game and, and giving this team and the offense gets going, you start seeing some of those comeback wins. I mean, you watch the season, they could easily there's 10 games that could have been won or lost, you know, that 
if one thing was just going right yeah. that day that, that you know, we're not even having all the conversations we're having about them not being able to get going. You know, that's that's just, how close it's been. If they just won the type of games that we've talked about them winning the last they few win years. All the time. Like, if they just won right. some of them, you know, right. like yeah. 70% of those that yeah. instead it's it just hasn't gone their way. By the way, they've had four, they've got four guys looking at this further. They've got four guys with OPSs higher than the Dodgers highest in that in the last two weeks. The Dodgers guys are 17th and 18th. Max Muncy and Mookie Betts at 990 and 945 in that stretch. And Muncy's at 238 with a 990. So, I mean, offensively, Braves right now are, 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 are the last couple of weeks are way ahead of the Dodgers as far as having some guy half the lineup going at once. So we'll see if that continues. But you got some guys that are raking right now, man. What if they sweep them? You know, I mean, just just even if their record's not where you want it, if they do something like that, that for me would erase a lot. You know, or you take two out of three, but it's convincing. You know, I mean, it. it, I just want to see this team play the way they're capable. Yeah. And uh, by the way, another thing that's uh, that's crazy, man, is Ozzy Albie's right now. His his right-handed swing. They're facing, by the way, four straight lefties. They faced two of them. They got two more coming up with the Dodgers. They hadn't done that in a few years, faced four straight lefties. And nobody's happier than, than I wrote this today, than, than Albies, because Albies, as Snit said, if there's a better hitter against left-handed pitcher in the majors than Ozzy Albies, I don't know who it is. I mean, his, he's so much better from that side. Yeah. And right well, now, when, when he was struggling early in the year, I felt like I never even saw him get to hit right-handed. Right. It was Especially so rare. in big at-bats. Like, if he came up with runners on, it was always left-handed. Yeah, yeah. It was like once a week he would face a left-hander, it seemed like, you know, and guys were bringing in relievers and everything. He wouldn't face many of them at all. He's got that swing going now, which is his natural side, and he's uh, – Yeah. Yeah, this is – and every time he does this is when everybody screams, you know, why didn't he stop – why didn't he just hit right-handed? Because the numbers are so, but they're not. Because he's not hitting this well off of righties. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. right handed. Yeah. They don't. There's reason don't he switch hits. Right. But it's got, uh, it's 13 hits in his last 25 at bats against lefties, and seven of them are for extra bases. He was three for four yesterday, Thursday, including uh, three hits off lefties, first and sixth inning singles off Corbin. The sixth inning was uh, part of that four run inning, had an RBI. And then a seventh inning RBI double off the lefty Sam Clay. So, yeah, lefties right now, just he's killing them, man. Uh, just uh, looking at his his uh, career, by the way, career stats, Ozzy, uh, against lefties, he has hit 343 with a 373 OBP, 585 slugging, 928 OPS. So he's hit 343 with a 928 OPS in 499 career plate appearances against lefties against righties in about three times as many plate appearances, 1478 plate appearances. He's hit 252 with a 315 OBP 437 slugging 752 OPS. So 206 points less in the OPS and what 48, uh, 91 points less in a batting average. Mm-hmm. So, Big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everybody can be Chipper Jones and have the exact same batting average against lefties and righties. No. Freak. Hall of Famer. <laughs> That's why you're first ballot and you're unanimous Hall of Famer. 
Yeah. But hey, give it all his time, man. He's got a lot of career left before him. And I have a feeling those numbers will get a lot closer over the years. You know, yeah, especially if especially if you have some years where they're facing more left-handers, because you you know how cyclical that is. There could be years where in your division you have every team's got one or two left-handed starters, and other years where there's hardly any left-handed starters. Yeah. So, well, that's okay. how that's how April felt for me, for him. It was just, mm-hmm. he just wasn't getting a chance to hit from the right side. So, all right. Well, this is going to be a big series for the Braves, obviously, the Dodgers. We'll see. I think they have a better feeling. we said this before, but I think they will have a better feeling of where they stand coming out of the series on uh, Monday, even though it's not a division series. But it's a big one before they go on the road again. And it's going, I'm be, I'll be curious. they got their best three pitchers, their most consistent guys going in the series. So, yep. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a huge crowd. It's going to be, I think it's going to be sold out all three days. I think it is sold out. So. All right, 755 is real, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. We're out. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.